The following is an exclusive presentation of News Radio KMAN, your home for K-State athletics. This is Wildcat Insider with the voice of the Wildcats, Wyatt Thompson, and KMAN Sports Director, Mitch Fortner. Good Monday afternoon to you. I'm Troy Colberdale. Mitch Fortner is out today as he is on the West Coast with K-State Baseball. We will talk with him in Hour 2 about the Batcats and their past weekend activity at Cal State Bakersfield. Part of a busy weekend of activity for K-State Athletics. K-State women's basketball with a loss on Saturday, a heartbreaker against Oklahoma. They get ready to recognize seniors on Wednesday night this week. And we're joined right now by Wyatt Thompson, normally in the uh, building. But no, he's on the road today with a big Monday matchup. The Wildcats in Lubbock to take on Texas Tech tonight. And boy, Wyatt, the uh, Cats put themselves in a real tight spot with Saturday's ballgame against Iowa State. If they want to make an NCAA tournament now, they're going to have to do some real work. Yeah, that's well said. Uh, it was another tight, tense game uh, coming from behind or trying to, unfortunately falling short. So we're talking about 10 conference losses and six of them by one possession, which mm. you just shake your head at, don't you? I mean, it's just it's just incredible how many games have been so tight and tense right down to the very last second in the league this year and, and for the season really for K-State you know they I thought to, to be honest with you well I think they played really well out of the gate but didn't make shots I thought their defense was good they mm-hmm. had good ball movement um, had some wide open looks and even as good as it felt up whatever it was 13 to 2 it could have been a lot more and I think that ended up costing them at the end of the day because you know Iowa State's good enough to make a run, and they did. And then once Iowa State took control of the game, um, and, and they went up, you know, in the second half there by 15, you, you knew that it was going to be a hard climb, especially with Mark Smith and foul trouble. So, lots of uh, lots of chances, and yet falling short once again. There was a comment by head coach Bruce Weber after the game that I thought was very on point. And it's not a criticism per se of his guys, and yet I I know that fans kind of look at that and and scratch their head a little bit. Uh, He brought up the point that sometimes his guys are trying too hard. And if you look at that final play of the Wildcats with possession of the basketball, it may very well be a great example of that. Well, it's an interesting thought, too, because I I appreciate what he's saying, and I I will say it this way, a couple of angles here. One, I think this is a team that has been resilient, and they do care, and they try hard. Are they trying maybe to do too much at times? I I think the simple answer is yes. The last waning seconds of that game, I think, is pretty typical. Um, If you go back and watch the tape, and I didn't necessarily know this at the time, but I think a lot of people wondered why they just didn't go four flat and let Nigel work in a one-on-one scenario or, or what have you. But I think what they tried to do was confuse Iowa State a little bit. They flashed Ish up to, to fake a screen for Nigel and then slipped back to the bucket. Um, the, the, the play was honestly not really what they needed out of Ish. He needed to sell it a little bit stronger. Mm. 
so it got Nigel in a, in a bind, and then he slips. And uh, I'll be honest with you, I think a lot of people thought he was fouled. I think it was very close. I think it was a hip check at best. Um, and, and you just don't get the shot you need. So there was a lot of things going into that, and I do think at times they they, they try too hard because they care. I hope, hope that answers the thought mm-hmm. there. But, man, it's, 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 it's maddening at times because this was another game where Nigel was very, very, very good. Mark was okay when he was on the floor, no doubt about that. But he was only on the floor a little bit less than 25 minutes. And for a guy who's been playing... I'll just give you an example here. Going back to the, the month of February, 35 minutes, 33 minutes, 38 minutes, 44 minutes at Iowa State, an overtime game, 35 West Virginia, 39 at OSU, and 28 against Kansas. That's a lot of minutes. He needs to be in there um, more than he was Saturday. What you saw on film, though, is a great point, because illustrates a great point, because it shows how thin that margin is between success and failure right now for the Wildcats. One little misstep, if you will, by Ish, where he could have maybe sold the play a little better, and maybe the outcome becomes different. Yeah, you have a thousand different ways to look at that, I suppose, or, or you know, instances of, of things that come to mind in just this game. Mm-hmm. I think one other thing that should be said here is an example. I, I, I think K-State continues to struggle with consistency with those guys around. And I'll say, I'll even add Mike McGurl into this, because Mike didn't shoot the ball well Saturday. He was one of six from three. But with McGurl, Noel, Nigel, and Mark Smith, maybe even to a smaller degree, Ish Masood, you kind of know what you're going to get. But Selvin Miguel... Diego, Luke Suki, Davion, all of those guys, you just don't know from game to game. And in this game, they were flat. They didn't do much. Well, okay. But the problem with that was Jaden Walker, who hasn't hardly done anything for Iowa State, had five. Robert Jones, who had like two points in his previous five games, had eight. And then Grill goes wild, mm-hmm. hitting six threes. A lot of times, that's enough to get you beat. It's just what it is. As we said, it puts the Wildcats in a real tough spot now as they look towards the latter part of this schedule. Tonight's matchup at Texas Tech, closing out against Oklahoma, then on Saturday. Most importantly, though, as you start to look at the conference tournament now, it heightens that importance of the conference tournament to likely make an NCAA tournament. Yeah, it's so tight. Um, all all the way through the country. I, I really honestly mean this. I, I think there's this is going to go all the way through this Saturday night prior to Selection Sunday. Um, <laughs> I just think there are so many teams that are like K-State, whether you want to name a BYU, Memphis, San Diego State. Um, I could probably name 15 mm-hmm. teams that feel like they still have a chance, uh, but maybe you're on the outside looking in. Uh, the, the loss is costly because it's at home, too. And, and, you know, as one of these days here very soon, we're going to be looking back on this regular season and, and say a lot of times, well, what if this and what if that? One of those what ifs comes from the fact that K-State was, is, is nine and six at home. Hmm. They needed to be better than that. And that loss really, really, really hurt. It puts added pressure on you to try to do something here in Lubbock tonight and in the tournament on uh 
whatever it's going to be Wednesday or Thursday <laughs> of next week. So it, yeah, it's it, it's go time, as they like to say. It's tough to keep track of the calendar when you get to this point of the year. I know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, it is tough because you, you know these games just kind of keep rolling at you. Uh, we were talking off air there about the fact that tomorrow's March first. It sometimes it seems like it, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, but but I think about we were talking about this at the shoot around earlier with some of the guys. Uh, Mark Neely's going to be uh, doing TV tonight, mm-hmm. and really good guy lives in the Kansas City area. And we were talking about Saturday's game. You have a four point overtime game. The Texas West Virginia game is a one point game. The Iowa State K State game is a one point game. The TCU Tech game is a three point game, and then Baylor beats Kansas eighty to seventy. You have basically four of the five games going down to to one or two possessions. That's that's crazy. And it sets up what could be a very exciting tournament in the process. No doubt. Yeah, because you have the those teams that are considered pretty special. Whether whether regardless of your order, Kansas, Baylor, Texas Tech. I think just a hair below that, maybe Texas. We'll see how they play. Um, and then after that, I mean, you look at. I mean, who thought TCU was going to beat Tech Saturday? Mm-hmm. Most didn't. I'll be honest with you. I, I didn't think they were going to be Tech, e- even though they were at home. Give them some credit for that. And here they are with a crazy schedule left, and they're 7-8. and eight. Could they slide here in the last week? Well, yeah. I mean, they, they play Kansas twice, uh, Tuesday and Thursday. Oof. I don't know that anybody would want that in the final week of the regular season. But the point is, is that, really, it, how much difference is there with Texas, TCU, Iowa State, Kansas State, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, and West Virginia? Not much. We'll have more with Wyatt when we continue in a moment. It's Wildcat Insider on this Monday afternoon. The Cats tonight at Texas Tech will preview the matchup with the voice of the Wildcats next on News Radio KMAN. Troy Coverdale back in for Mitch Fortner today. We will talk with Mitch coming up in the next hour about the Bat Cats as they finally scratch out a win on the road on Sunday afternoon against Cal State Bakersfield. Wildcat Insider though today starts with the conversation with Wyatt Thompson, the voice of the Wildcats as the uh, Cats get ready now to match up tonight with Texas Tech. You brought up talking with Mark Neely at Shootaround, the ESPN broadcaster. Shootaround's my question. What was the approach today? How were guys taking things? It's such a, a quick turnaround from another disappointing game on Saturday. Yeah, you know what? Young people, You the longer I do this, the more I realize young people are pretty resilient. Yeah. <laughs> they bounce back a lot quicker than you and I do, Troy, and that's the truth. <laughs> that doesn't guarantee victory tonight. That's obvious. But but I think they were locked in and ready to go. Uh, I'll, I'll kind of reveal a little bit of a something here. I, I do think that Marquise is a little bit questionable as to whether he can go tonight. If you remember late in the game, you know, him grabbing that the back of that hamstring, mm-hmm. he's got a little bit of a strain. He didn't do much at the shoot-around, so we'll see how that plays out. Uh, it would certainly be significant if he is not available because this team is you know, kind of shorthanded in, in a lot of ways anyway. And, and they're, they're fighting an animal that is 17-0 at home, and they just, you know, the thing that impresses you about Tech at home is just how freely they play on both ends of the floor. They really guard. They switch everything. <clears throat> Excuse me. They've got good athleticism and depth. They're not spectacular, but they're really, really rock solid. I mean, you look at their guys, and, and you probably start with Bryson Williams, but 
I could name seven or eight or nine guys, and, and they just they just all they come at you. They just do. One of the things that sticks out is that this was a ball club, a program that was expected to slide a little bit with Chris Beard leaving and some personnel leaving. But Mark Adams stepping into that role after essentially being the defensive coordinator at Tech the last few years under Beard uh, has really, really put together a nice team. I think that's perfectly said, Troy. And I think you look at just what I would describe as the core of the team that was returning. Not in any particular order, but guys that were around last year and understood the defensive and offensive principles. Clarence Nadolny, Terrence Shannon, Marcus Santos-Silva, mm-hmm. Kevin McCuller. I mean, even to a lesser degree, probably the, the Chibuzo Agbo kid. Uh, that's, a, that's a decent, solid nucleus back. It's not great, but it's pretty darn good, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so then you look at those other guys. Kevin O'Banner from Oral Roberts, Bryson Williams from UTEP, Adonis Arms from Winthrop, Davion Warren from Hampton, and on down the line, there's probably a couple of other guys, Daniel Bacho from Arizona, Malik Wilson from Louisiana Lafayette, but the thing that you talked about was the key is Mark Adams getting all of these guys on the same page. Much like Texas, these guys were their leading score on other teams and so on and so forth, and they've bought into roles, and so have those guys that were here last year. Marcus Santos Silva last year started all 29 games, as an example, and averaged eight points, three points a game. Santos Silva this year is playing only 17 minutes a game and hasn't pouted about it one time. Hmm. He comes off the bench, plays his role, does a really nice job. That's, some of that's the kid, certainly. But some of that is the coaching to get you to buy into that and being part of a, a rotation. Not everybody can start, you know. But but for him and McCuller and some of those guys, even Shannon, who's been in and out of the lineup, has you know come off the bench some. That's pretty admirable from my perspective. Mark Adams is what we would call a lifer in the business, finally getting his <laughs> opportunity to be yeah. a head coach at this level. But it's a guy who gets to do it at his alma mater, finally, and that means an awful lot to him, too. Well, you think about some of the stops. Howard College, junior college. Okay? Wayland Baptist, which mm. at that time I think was NAIA. Right. You know, uh, Texas Pan American. I mean, UTPA is not even Texas Pan American anymore. (laughs) (laughs) And this this guy's won 576 games, dude, at all all levels in in 25 years. And back to Mark Neely and Stan and I, we were all sitting there visiting during the shoot-around and talking about him. And, you know, with the arms folded and the glasses and the dark hair, I mean, he looks like a fourth-grade math teacher. (laughs) But... I'm telling you, the guy, you, you referred to him as a defensive coordinator, and I thought that was perfect. He, he's certainly defense first, um, and, and I think really has done a great job. He, he loves, you know, I, I know Chris Beard gets a lot of criticism here for, for leaving, but let's remind ourselves that he went to his alma mater. Right. And this guy is coaching at his, um, and I, I think he's, he's proud to do so. He's done a great job, great job. Final thought from you. What are the things yep. that need to happen tonight for K-State, maybe not to win this game, but to have it close down the stretch where anything can happen? Well, I think you have to start with, you got to have a good start, be in it early, be in it late, right? And then all of that stuff that we talk about all the time, K-State's not the world's best rebounding team, they're going to have to rebound. 
think about what they did well against Texas Tech in Manhattan. They beat them 62-51, if you remember, mm-hmm. uh, and Bryson Williams had 20. But everybody else, they kind of held in check. I'd take that again. Would you? I mean, I definitely would. And but again, you're going to have to make those extra passes or two on offense and make shots. I, I hate to oversimplify this always, but if, if they don't make shots, their chances are very, very slim tonight because the place is basically sold out. It's going to be rocking. You're going to have to be on your game, man. They, <laughs> they are 17-0 at home, as we mentioned earlier. And Stan and I were talking about this earlier today, too. 16 of those 17 games they've won by double digits. Mm-hmm. Many of them by 20-ish. The, the lone exception was they beat Kansas here by eight. So they're a hard animal here in Lubbock. So you got to do a lot of things right to give yourself a shot. No doubt about it. Wyatt, have a good call. Thank you for joining us. We'll look forward to chatting with you next week again. Thanks, Gordon. I appreciate it, Troy. Thanks, sir. Wyatt Thompson joining us on this week's edition of Wildcat Insider. We've got more when we continue in a moment on News Radio KMAN. Troy Coverdale in on Wildcat Insider for this Monday as Mitch Fortner will join us in the second hour. I'll admit we chatted earlier today so that he could enjoy part of the day at Venice Beach. I mean, come on. At that point, it's just taught. At least it's not last week's weather here, and he's going to Venice Beach. I I would have definitely been a little salty about that one, to be completely (laughs) honest. I mean, I'm still salty, because, like, I've never been to California. I'd like to go at least once, just cross it off the bucket list, you know. Right. But, like, he goes every year because of baseball. Mm -hmm. So I'll I'll be slightly salty today. Okay. I I don't mind. That's Stephen Schaefer on the other side of the glass working with me today and helping guide us through another edition of Wildcat Insider. Great things that we discussed there with Wyatt Thompson in regards to tonight's ball game between the Wildcats and Texas Tech, and we'll get a little more into those coming up in a bit. But I want to also make sure that we highlight women's basketball with a very tough loss this past Saturday afternoon, a frustrating loss when it's done, and that is falling literally on a last-second shot at Oklahoma. An opportunity at a road win for the Wildcats at a point where they're still trying to establish where their positioning will be for the conference tournament, and they get beat by a Kansas kid, no less, too. Taylor Robertson buries the three-pointer to finish things off and give Oklahoma the 72-69 win on Saturday afternoon. Jeff Mitty really felt that the atmosphere for that game in Norman was tremendous. I thought this was an NCAA-type tournament game with the energy, the crowd. We handled uh, multiple uh, uh, runs by them, and we ran right back at them. Really proud of our group. Uh, we had a lot of players make big shots, uh, and and both teams made big shots. They just uh, they got the final look at it, and uh, Robertson was hot at that point, and we couldn't cool her off. Serena Sundell um, led the. Scoring with 24 points. Usually it's been a Lee leading the team in scoring, but this time with Serena getting 24 points, what do you have to say on Serena's performance? I thought Serena was great all day. I thought she had a good look to her. She, you know, good balance with a uh, good balance. Um, really, uh, really, um, really made some uh, big plays. They were really crowding Lee in there. They're really committed to keeping a, a, a big crowd around her all day long. And, 
Um, it was good to see our group shoot the ball with more confidence. Laura Mackey has a big game, but Sundell was, was huge all day long. 24 points in the ball game for the freshman guard who continues to improve for K-State. And, and much like much of this team is learning on the fly. And that means that in the case of Sundell, you're talking about a freshman who actually played the full 40 minutes that afternoon to put up the 24 points along with her seven assists. The mention of Aoka Lee, 13 points, 11 rebounds in the game uh, and played 35 minutes despite picking up four fouls in the contest. And, you know, th- this again uh, it is a great indicator of where this team continues to try and develop when Aoka is being controlled. If you're Oklahoma and you limit Aoka Lee to 13 points, you're feeling pretty darn good because it was a month ago that you gave up an NCAA record all-time to Aoka Lee with her 61. Thus, the feeling that anyway that this team has turned a bit and something that we will talk with Mitch Fortner about in the next hour, and that is that you're finding this team now trying to kind of fill in the gaps when Aoka is being double teamed and shots aren't necessarily falling. All told, the Wildcats on the afternoon in Norman shot 40%, go 41% from the three-point line, and have it as a three-point game at the end against a top 15 ball club in Oklahoma. That's a good outcome, but you wonder how much better of an outcome it could have been had Aoka been able to get going offensively the same way that she has in most games this season. That said, the Cats again picking up votes in the uh, top 25 poll from the AP this week as they currently sit in that number six spot and, and almost are all but locked in at this point with two games remaining. West Virginia will be the opponent coming in on Wednesday night for the Wildcats. And it will be Senior Recognition Night, as that is the final home game of the regular season for the Cats, who have been able to go 6-2 and two at Bramlage this season. Iowa State and Baylor are still battling for that top spot. 13-3, and three, the two of them go into the final week. And then you have Oklahoma and Texas both at 11-5 and five in the 3-4 and four spots. Kansas then falling a game off that pace to 10-6. and six. So it really comes down to this final week to determine those top four seeds. But K-State, as of right now, looks to be headed to uh, day two of the tournament rather than needing to play in the opening day's worth of activity. There is one women's game on the docket tonight, and... Honestly, this is a good night for Big 12 basketball all the way across the board because you have a men's game on ESPN to begin the night as Baylor and check that. Uh, you have the women's game tipping off at 6 on ESPN at 6 on ESPN2. So just in front of the Cats and Texas Tech. But then there's Baylor and Texas on ESPN. Solid night. You hate to have the two men's games conflicting, but you'll take it in that you can literally go up, down, up, down if you're wanting to watch both games and catch a timeout. But you've also got the women's game getting underway at six between Baylor and Iowa State. That essentially is for the conference title tonight. 
So there's your reason to watch the women's game at 6 o'clock tonight on ESPN2 because that is all but going to determine the outcome of the conference chase unless something happens then on the remaining three days of the season. There'll be an off day tomorrow night. Games on Wednesday night, including K-State playing host to West Virginia. Saturday's action sees K-State visiting TCU to headline the pack. And on Sunday, Baylor wraps up its schedule at home against Texas Tech, while Iowa State will be at West Virginia on Saturday night. That gets you up to date on on what the schedule remaining is, but that Baylor-Iowa State game tonight uh, on the women's side is what will likely settle the conference title chase then with two games remaining for everybody after tonight. As for the men, what a crazy weekend it was. The AP poll has been in place since 1949. In that time frame, never, and I do mean this, never have the top six teams lost on the same day until Saturday. That included KU losing. That included, uh, for good measure, we'll throw in Texas Tech. Seven of the top ten lost on the same day. Villanova didn't play, so seven of the top nine that saw action lost on the same day. The only one, or I should say the uh, one out of the group that kind of can say, okay, yeah, you know, could have maybe Baylor. I mean, they turn around and beat number five, Kansas. Baylor at number 10 going in. You know, so that's kind of the uh, kind of the balancer, if you will. But all six of the top six slots lost on Saturday. That included Kansas falling to Baylor. And so going into this last weekend, or this last week, Kansas right now finds itself sitting with a 12-3 and record. But something that Wyatt brought up in our conversation, and that is they've got two games against TCU this week. TCU sitting at 7-8, and eight, but you factor that in, and they can play spoiler a little bit now do they want to play spoiler and help Baylor is another matter altogether but Kansas at three losses in the conference Baylor at four losses in the conference Texas Tech at five going into tonight's game and Texas at six that's how tight the top four spots are going into these final games of this year K-State right now because of the loss to Iowa State sits in seventh at six and ten. Oklahoma State is right there at six and ten, but you knock them out of the mix when it comes to the conference tournament next week because of the NCAA ban this year for them on a postseason. And so it leaves you with Oklahoma, West Virginia as an opening round game as eight nine. K State would not play until the second day of the tournament and then need to make its three day run. So tonight, K-State, Texas Tech, Baylor at Texas. Tomorrow night, the first of the Kansas at TC, er, and TCU matchups. West Virginia will be at Oklahoma tomorrow night. Wednesday is Oklahoma State at Iowa State. Thursday, TCU visits Kansas. It's an NBA home-and-home style schedule right there. And then everybody closes it out on Saturday. TCU at West Virginia, 
Texas Tech at Oklahoma State. Oklahoma visits Kansas State. Texas is at KU. Iowa State at Baylor. That is the late game. It is a 5 o'clock game on Saturday, so everybody will be done by 8 o'clock Saturday night on the men's side. And your seedings will be set for Kansas City. Welcome to the month of March. And if you're K-State, okay, guys, this is where you got to be. Um, that's the worst part about what played out over the weekend in K-State's disfavor in this aspect. It just absolutely is frustrating to know that this is a team that could play themselves into a much better spot. And when you consider the number of close losses throughout the season, but, you know, honestly, this past Saturday was just crazy in the fact that four of the five games were literally two possession games at the most. And the one that wasn't was a game that got turned on its head after Kansas pulled to do a big lead and Baylor just came right back and flipped it on them. This is a K-State team that, doggone it, you're left sitting here scratching your head going, why can it not get over the hump? Well, this week it's going to have to show us that it can get over the hump. Especially heading into the conference tournament, you would think, because you would at least like to have some momentum going into the week's action next week in Kansas City. Will that develop? Remains to be seen, and that's the unfortunate aspect of it with K-State taking the court tonight against Texas Tech. That is a team that you are not likely to gain any momentum against. They have really put together an amazing year at home at 17-0. The actual string dating back to last year is now over 20 games at home without a loss. I mean, they're starting to get towards Kansas marks in terms of games without a loss at their arena and stretching it across two seasons. And in all honesty, stretching it across <laughs> two coaches um, because of Chris Beard making the move to Texas at the end of last season. Now you've got Mark Adams coaching this team. They've not missed anything. They have not fallen off the pace yet and find themselves going into tonight 22-7, and seven, ranked in the top 15, and ready to make noise when it comes to the NCAA tournament coming up in a matter of weeks. So the Cats and the Red Raiders coming up. 7 o'clock will begin our coverage tonight. The tip-off is 8 o'clock tonight in Lubbock with Wyatt and Stan here on News Radio KMAN. When we come back, we'll talk about a couple of honors today for K-State women's players. Plus, baseball is out with some uh, special ticket packages. Time to start thinking baseball, even though MLB is doing its best to screw up that game. College baseball is going to be fun this year. That one we continue in a moment. This is Wildcat Insider on News Radio KMAN. Noting what's coming up, by the way, over the next couple of days in terms of Manhattan High coverage, we've got K-State baseball tomorrow evening following Manhattan High girls at 
Hutchinson in the 6A substate. On Wednesday night, the boys are at Wichita Northwest for their substate. Coming up on Friday, K-State baseball continues out west, but because of the uh, because of the fact that Mitch Fortner remains on the West Coast to call that Fullerton game tomorrow night. And I'm headed for Wichita, or for Hutchinson, to call basketball tomorrow night. <laughs> Next two days, uh, the game will be preempted because of, uh, basically, we've run out of people. Imagine that. Uh, so that uh, means that you'll have ESPN Radio coming up tomorrow afternoon from 4 until before 6 o'clock. And again on Wednesday uh, from 4 until just before 6 o'clock when I've got the high school basketball coverage for you here on News Radio KMAN. Aoka Lee maneuvering her way up one of the postseason award lists. She was earlier named to the Naismith Women's Defensive Player of the Year watch list. Now she's been named a semifinalist for that award as she is in that list with 10 players. Among them, just of note, Cameron Brink of Stanford, Melissa Smith of Baylor, Aliyah Boston of South Carolina. So right there, some uh, heady competition on that list with Lee, who's been able to uh, Continue her assault on the record books defensively, leads the Big 12 in block shots. A career high, a K State record in a junior season, 89 of them, and ranks second on the team in steals with a career high of 36. Those 89 blocked shots are third nationally. She's fourth in the nation and leads the Big 12 in blocks per game at 3.18. And the 89 blocks this season are third in school history for blocks in a season. Nine games with four or more blocked shots, including eight of them registered against the Bison of North Dakota State back on November 29th. Lee happens to be the only player in the country, by the way, with 625 points or more, 275 or more rebounds, and 80 or more blocked shots. K-State's dominance on winning Freshman of the Week honors in the conference continuing today as freshman guard Serena Sundell was given the honor for the fourth time this season. She's one of two players to earn the Freshman of the Week honor four different times. Rory Harmon of Texas is the other. As a team, eight Big 12 Freshman of the Week honors this season. Sundell, four of them. Briley Glenn, three. Jalen Glenn, one. This past week, Sundell averaged 20 points on better than 51% shooting, including knocking down 43% from beyond the three-point line. That included a team-high 16 points with three assists, three rebounds, and two blocks in the loss to Texas on uh, Wednesday night of last week, Tuesday night of last week. Excuse me. And then uh, on Saturday, a game high 24 on 9 of 16 from the field, including burying five three pointers, those seven assists, no turnovers, and two steals. It was her fourth 20 point game already here in her freshman campaign. The Cats on Wednesday night play host to West Virginia. Senior night, 
Simone Goodrich, Laura Mackey, Rachel Ranke, Savannah Simmons will be recognized in a post-game ceremony as the Cats close out the home portion of their schedule again on Wednesday night at Bramlage Coliseum. K-State baseball getting set for a home schedule that gets started next week when they welcome in next Tuesday, welcome in Nebraska for the first home game of the campaign. Upcoming theme days, Military Appreciation Day will be March 22nd against Air Force. National Peanut Butter and Jelly Day recognition, April 2nd versus Oklahoma State. I'm intrigued. (laughs) Bark in the Park, April 24th against UC Irvine. This is another one that intrigues me. Cats Man Night, May 3rd against Wichita State. Plus a special Mother's Day event on May 8th when the Jayhawks are here. Two for Tuesdays, two GA tickets, two drinks, $20 at every Tuesday home game for the Batcats. Coming up next hour, Mitch Fortner joins me. We'll talk about K-State baseball this past weekend on the road at Cal State Bakersfield.